All right. So today on the Sound Iron Podcast, we are going to talk about our new organ library. We're going to talk about the Biebs, Justin Bieber, Craig's best friend. We're going to talk about Is It Peak Podcast. We're going to talk about why Spotify will fail, text to music, and Valhalla Vintage Verb. Are you ready, Craig? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I believe you. <laughs> All right. So the first thing on the agenda was just a light snack, and that is... Mr. Bieber, Justin Bieber, sells rights to his songs for $200 million. So let me break it down for you. He has sold his share of the rights to his music to Hypnosis Songs Capital for a reported $200 million. This firm now owns the pop star's stake in some of the biggest hits of recent years, including top songs Baby and Sorry. Oh, wow. He was one of the best-selling artists of the 21st century, and he joins a growing group of artists who have cashed out on their catalogs. He is one of the youngest to ever do it. Uh, Bruce Springsteen received a reported $500 million for the sale of his life's work a couple years ago. But I ran across this Twitter thread that was interesting, and it says, Justin Bieber's music rights sale is official. They paid $200 million for his share of the masters publishing and neighboring rights for his full back catalog with 290 plus songs. And I thought that was interesting uh, because I did not know that man had 290 songs. I probably know 10 of them. Sounds about right. I think I know about two (laughs) (laughs) or one. Maybe he's not on your top Spotify streams. Yeah. I mean, we're best friends, but I don't really listen to his music. Sometimes I'm just kidding. Sometimes it'd be like that. <laughs> uh, okay, so Bieber's only 28 years old. He's one of the youngest of these massive artists to sell his catalog. There's a case to make that he can sell high now and still has a full career ahead. On the flip side, other young artists are holding. They feel no rush, still make hit albums, and can sell for more in the future if they want, or so they think. But a few sources told me that Justin Bieber needs liquidity. He needs cash. He canceled, postponed recent tours, not just due to COVID. His stadium tour was downgraded to arena due to low ticket sales. Others were canceled for health reasons, and this cash can help cover the tour money owed. He goes on, talks about Dr. Dre, also sold his collection for $200 million, and he had to do it for health reasons. Um, So artists can choose to buy or sell music assets for many reasons. Some have other financial obligations, other, others want to build wealth, and others want an asset to pass down. Some people think $200 million is low, and this guy says, a few things to remember. Beaver didn't own these assets outright. This is his share. UMG, Def Jam, Scooter Braun all have big stakes. And pop music is collaborative, so Beaver's producers, songwriters, guest features all have shares in the music too. Hmm. And this was interesting. He says, Beaver's catalog is young. Its decay curve is less predictable than the catalog of a 90s or early 2000s artist. How many streams will Sorry still get in 2033? It's hard to know for certain. So the idea here, he was saying that Beaver basically top-ticked it and that he sold his catalog at the top of what it's going to be worth because he has some sort of like face paralysis issue. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. Which is really sad. And um, so he's having trouble like touring and and just like the mental health aspect of it. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you think? You think it was a good deal? I mean, 
two millions, nothing to shy away from. Two hundred million, or, or, or two hundred million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two hundred million. Um, shoot. I mean, it. it it's funny because when you said that, I actually thought it seemed a little low. Sure. Because that because I mean, you would think you know, you know, with these people, they have a ton of money already. But um, because I don't know what his like net worth is or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, two hundred million is a lot. Yeah, I mean, Joseph Bieber, was... kick me down a mill. <laughs> kick me down a, a mill, Bieber. Come, come on the Sound Iron Podcast. So, yeah. I mean, I definitely think that it was a good deal for both parties. I think uh, the capital firm will get theirs, and I think Bieber's set for life, his family's set for life. Uh, mm-hmm. He d- he doesn't have to be a pop star anymore if he doesn't want to, and that's cool. Yeah, just just hang out and just go on vacation. I don't know. Like what? Like what would you do if you had two hundred million? Would you just invest it? Would you? You'd have start to have a business. A, you'd have to have a pretty large imagination to be dealing with that amount of money. But I would probably get somebody with uh, more expertise on the matter to help me manage it. Yeah. Uh, definitely invest a good chunk of it so that you can live off the interest, mm. and then uh, I don't know, like philanthropy is interesting basically there's like a a pre-foraged path for you to take uh at that that level of wealth mm-hmm. what about you you're gonna buy buy a small island something small now nah, you know you know what actually would would be cool to do like uh do like a like a food truck or something okay like that's that's something that i thought would be like a fun thing like if i was ever to try like like if I ever had the means of you know like oh I could like you know do some little side business or something like I don't know why like something with food like a food truck like a vegan food truck or something would be cool. Nice. You, you know something that I always thought would be cool to do too is like like some kind of like pool like open up a, a pool hall or something. But like oh, the old billiards. Like some, yeah, or do some kind of like like fun themed thing. So social environment and food related i like it yeah and then i would buy a, a private island you can get a lot of food for 200 million a lot of vegan food yeah okay so we talked about mr beaver and he's cashing out i guess we'll pay attention he's only 28 years old you know so we'll pay attention to how he spends his millions and then we could copy him in the future <laughs> yeah i gotta i gotta start dropping dropping some hits first yeah that's a good idea <laughs> All right, so the next fluffy piece we have is peak podcast. Have we hit peak podcast, or is the industry just on pause? And we got a chart from charter.co, and it shows the percentage of U.S. adults that listen to a podcast last month has dropped. And it was up to 41% in 2021, and now it's at 38%. So have people started slowing down on their podcast consumption? The other thing is the number of new podcasts peaked in 2020 because mm. everyone and their mom started a podcast. Some started the podcast with their mom. And now it's down bad. Like the uh, the number of new podcasts in 2022 was lower than the number of podcasts in 2018. Interesting. This site is asking if we should add podcasts to the list of trends that boomed in 2020 and are now coming back down to earth. 
Yeah, it probably just depends on the, like where people are consuming content. Like, because yeah. I know, I, what is it? YouTube's supposedly like one of like the second most viewed websites or something like that. It's definitely up there. Yeah, so I mean, it it could be just the in the way that people consume content, or maybe it's just like more like listening to music, or they're just watching more more videos on on YouTube or or other things like that. Because it's like there's so many things it's like streaming services like there's a new yeah. streaming service like every month it's a lot of composition and, yeah and, and it's like where people are going to to watch movies or how they're they're listening to podcasts or it's with more music i, I don't know just, yeah so this says the number of new podcasts launched fell by nearly 80 percent between 2020 and 2022 and seems to keep dropping has podcasts moved from gold rush to mature market they are basically showing this graph, new podcast by year. It's just straight down the last like six months. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it makes sense because people are interested in getting out of the house now and going on vacation, chasing experiences, leaving the cave. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to be podcasting from the road. Yeah, unless that's where you listen to podcasts. Well, you're going to be listening to podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time, but you're not going to be recording your your podcast episode. Oh, yeah, that's true. And the two of us can confirm podcasting is a grind, right? I mean, what we're doing here, this friendship shtick, this is an act. Yeah, like it, this is, you know, it's a grind because, yeah, I have to do it. <laughs> no, this, is, this is the only time we no. talk. We talk once a week for an hour just to do this. Yeah, as soon as it's done, shun. <laughs> yeah. I blocked Craig's Instant. number right after this. Yeah, boom, shunned. And um, yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, any any kind of putting out videos or or podcasts, like it requires energy. You know, yeah. like you, if you're if you're trying to do it, you know, right consistently. Like, yeah, it's like it's it's definitely a lot of work because you know it's like deciding on what to talk about or reaching out to people to do interviews, you know, things like that. But it's just like, yeah, it's just like anything like, you know, or even like when when I was doing like interviews, you know, filming people and stuff, it's like, you know, you got to like hit them up, set it up, go there, you know, do the thing, edit it like it. There's a lot of, you know, that goes into it, you know. Yeah. If you squint your eyes, it starts looking like work. Yeah, it it's yeah, it's definitely work. But, you know, it's 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 one of those things. It's, you know, it's fun. It's fun to do because it's like you get to. You know, hang out with people, see how the, how they work. You know, things like that. Steal some ideas. Yeah, you know, steal like, hey, what's that thing on their on their desk? Like, I got to get me one of those. <laughs> I think I think the one thing that I've I always see or I, I've seen a lot in composer studios is like like uh, guitar viol. Mm -hmm. And I'm always just like, oh man, I want one of those so bad. <laughs> I also want one until I see the pi the price tag. Yeah, that's uh, it's uh, it's not cheap. I think that is actually the goal is uh, to become a luthier and just make my own. Mm -hmm. no, that's a that, that'll be a grind for sure. <laughs> Let me know if you do it and I'll uh, snag one from you. You'll pre-order. You're like, it's going to be $10,000. No, I'll send you a beta. Nice. Uh, so the, the final kind of cherry on top of this is to put it another way, of all the podcasts that have stopped publishing since 2010, 78% of them stopped in either 2020 or 2021. 
the huge spike in creation coincided with the huge spike in destruction. So 2020 was the year of creating a new podcast and also killing off a podcast that you used to do. And it says, none of this means that podcasting is dead or dying. There will still be new shows and new successes. But these numbers suggest that the gold rush era has been replaced with a mature market. And so the real takeaway is you got to just keep grinding it out and just outlast all the other people. Mm -hmm. Can't stop. Won't stop. Sound Iron Podcast. Here to stay. Yeah, it's just it's just like doing you know being a youtube content creator or whatever you know youtuber or whatever yeah you know because that's one of those things you know like that re requires a lot of work too and you see a lot of people that kind of get burned out or you know start doing videos talking about burnout and you know those types of things because it's a grind and it's very like isolating yeah you know it's so much work Un yeah unless unless you're someone who does like a like a traveling youtube channel or something or or you're you know like you see ones where it's like a couple that go around traveling or you know film themselves doing stuff like that but still there's a lot of that isolating because you're like editing or you're you know trying to get your stuff out there through social media and, and stuff yeah. like that so it's like it's a lot so you, you definitely got to be in it for the long haul especially if you want to see any success from it yeah and i was listening to a podcast coincidentally yesterday and he was saying that people have to hear about your stuff like three to seven times before actually getting to your site or getting to whatever content you're trying to ask them to consume. And ideally that would happen over like twice in one week or once every two months or some sort of thing where it starts sticking in their memory. And people get bored and quit making the content before that can happen. And so like a lot of the times it takes somebody a year, like a full 12 months from the time they first hear about your channel to the time that they actually check out your channel. And by then a lot of people have quit already. Yeah. So that takes me to the next point, which is brief, but Ben Jordan did a video that went pretty viral called why Spotify will fail. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that? I think I saw it pop up, but I didn't watch it. So it's definitely worth watching. Didn't he? Didn't he do like a follow up video to that too? Yeah, like he did talking a video. about the, like because I guess the comment section was going going wild. Yeah, so he did a uh, replying to your Spotify questions and comments, which is pretty funny too. But the basic premise of why Spotify will fail is their concept of blitz scaling, which is growing as possible uh growing as fast as possible at a loss in order to uh bring in subscribers and paying customers and then after all your competition is dead then crank your prices he was basically mm -hmm. like that's actually not going to work for this business and uh it's already dissolving because the growth has stopped and once the growth stops then your financial backers start pulling out your subscribers mm -hmm don't want to pay more turns out and uh it just ends up flopping yeah i think it's one of those things where yeah when you start doing stuff like that like just randomly hiking up prices it's like i mean i i don't like that kind of stuff because especially when you're like oh like you know let's say you get some new streaming service and it's like oh it's only 4.99 you're like oh man <laughs> yeah. that that's nothing like that's a cup of coffee or whatever and then next thing you know it's like 
due to blah 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 blah, we're we're increasing prices, and then it's like, oh, now it's fourteen ninety nine. Like, ah, that's not what right. I signed up for. Right, totally different. And like, ball, I already right? got, and I already got five other ones that I'm, you know, got Hulu and HBO Max and yeah. whatever little add ons, you know, or things like that. It's just like it's very easy to to quickly jump ship just because you're like, well, uh, yeah, how much is this worth to you? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think that's a really good business model. I don't think definitely not a good business model, but it worked for a while. Yeah. Unless you're just like, all right, I'm just going to try to, like, get as much as I can and then I'm out. (laughs) Just disappear. I'm going to go live on an island with Justin Bieber. <laughs> Take nice. all my millions and run. You brought it, brought it right back around. That's good. Huh. Um, okay, so Google. I don't know if you saw this, but Google, Google has come out with generating music from text. It's called Music LM, and the abstract is: We introduce Music LM, a model generating high fidelity music from text descriptions, such as a calming violin melody backed by a distorted guitar riff. Music hmm. LM cast the process of conditional music generation and they talk about science and stuff. We'll skip all that. We're not science nerds. And, (laughs) uh, but the basic premise is you type a rich caption, for example, the main soundtrack of an arcade game. It is fast paced and upbeat with a catchy electric guitar riff. The music is repetitive and easy to remember, but with unexpected sounds like cymbal crashes or drum rolls, you click generate and it generates you a 30 second sound, a 30 second track. And we will play that right here. It's not bad. It, I've heard worse music. Uh, they have some other examples. They have long generation, like melodic techno that is five minutes long, lots of loops. Um, they have story mode, which it says the audio is generated by providing a sequence of text prompts. These influence how the model continues the semantic tokens derived from the previous caption. So you can say text prompts, time to meditate, zero to 15 seconds, time to wake up, 15 to 30 seconds, time to run, 30 to 45 seconds, and time to give 100%, 45 to 60 seconds. So every 15 seconds, the music is changing based on the story. So you could score your day. Interesting. I wonder if if uh, if people are using that for getting like music ideas or something. Because I, well, I, I mean, I wonder if like well, where it's coming from. If you know, if someone's like typing up some prompt, you know, like for like a video game track or like arcade game or something. Then they yeah. like cop it and then get hit with like a flag or something from Google. Yeah, Google's like, uh-uh. That's a I valid that. that's a valid point. So right now it's not available for the peasants like you and I, but Google has some examples and they'll let us know when it is available to uh play with. Yeah, I would be interested in checking that out. Oh, the other thing. Music LM can also be instructed via a combination of picture and caption or generate audio that's played by a specific type of instrument or in a certain genre. And the experience level of the, quote, musician can be set, and you can create music inspired by places or requirements like motivational music for sports. And the other thing you can do is you can upload your own melody, uh, like, say, a violin 
phrase or something mm-hmm. and it will make music using that interesting so stay on the lookout it is pretty interesting and it's moving fast yeah that i could see being a a, a cool thing for you know like if you make like a, a piano melody yeah and then you like drop it in see what kind of chords it puts over it or unless it just goes like super basic well you could like you could prompt it right five. It's just yeah. like uh, Chad GPT or Mid Journey. You could just keep doing variations on the prompt. Like if it, it, it does something silly or if it does something too simple, you're like more complex. Yeah. Jazz it up. Jazz it up. Right. Exactly. We have a new library coming out this week called Fatty 311. It's our newest vintage keys. It is a con prelude organ. And I was hoping you could talk about the backstory of delivering this beast. Yeah, this was an organ that I found just randomly uh, when I was living in in Burbank. And yeah, I was just going for my usual daily walk to do, 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 do. Oh, there's an organ on the sidewalk. <laughs> and um, and, and it looked pretty, pretty good condition. Um, I was just kind of like, oh, like, I wonder if it works. So I uh, my girlfriend helped help me carry it over across the street, plugged it in and it made sounds. We're like, oh, right on. But then I was like, I don't know where I'm going to put this thing. Yeah, exactly. Because they're huge. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the biggest thing ever. It's not like, you know, grand piano or anything. But I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't I don't know how much use I'll actually get out of it. So hit up the boss and I was like, hey, you want an organ? He's like, yes. So <laughs> I, you and I me. Collect organs. Yeah. You and me loaded it up in your car when we drove out there to do some some uh, top secret filming. Work. Yeah, doing some filming, and yeah, and and now I can use it without having to have it in my room. So that's pretty pretty cool, and it sounds sounds pretty neat. There's a lot of really cool stuff, especially for uh, that that old kind of retro video game stuff. A lot of the, a lot of these organs, like, you know, they they have you know little different little quirks to them. Some some fit that sort of video game sound really well. Some have that mm-hmm. old kind of you know cheesy sort of organ sounds you know stuff that you know you want to use for things like that and um yeah it's it's really cool and i really like a lot of the ambiences in the in the library too like some very like chill moody sort of it, it's funny like you hear like the, the the normal sounds but then like the ambiences are always like i always look forward to checking those out because i like me some ambiences yeah they help flesh out the library and kind of expand what you can do with it yeah and they recorded a bunch of cool like percussive you know like like with the the stand slamming yeah. it up and down. Yeah, and so like different... Mike is a percussionist and always has been. So he's obsessed with getting percussive noises out of everything. Mm-hmm. He's one of those mm-hmm. those guys that you you see like tapping everything and bringing a mm-hmm. mallet around and just like, oh, he's tapping. What's what's that guy doing? Tapping the window? Or yeah. like Greg Greg does that too though because I remember when when we were recording for Hyperion Brass, mm-hmm. I remember he was he had a pen and he was like like just rolling it on like the little mixer like <laughs> and it was just like like oh you're gonna sample that too he's like ah oh, maybe yeah. <laughs> sample uh, everything it's working for him so yeah. gotta keep it going I mean, I mean our slogan is the world is your orchestra so right. I mean what does There's that a tell lot, you a lot of sounds in the world yeah sample it. But yeah, so Fatty 311 is $19 as we speak. It's the newest release on the table. Uh, it has lots of like emulated sounds, like a trombone, trumpet, violin. But it's that 
kind of cheesy 60s, 70s sound where it sounds like a video game, like an old video game, or uh, maybe a church playing hymns, something like that. But as soon as you throw some reverb and delay or distortion on it, it becomes something totally different. And that's Mm -hmm. why I like these things. Yeah, Yeah, especially because with all the different effects and you know, LFO and filter and, and ARB stuff, you can you can really get a lot out of it, especially with the different layers. It's got, you know, and we all also sampled it in three mic positions. So you really have, you know, different ways of creating your own space. You want to mix it with like a far mic or, you know, just like a mid mic or, you know, whatever. You know, you, you have a lot of different options for that, too, which is cool. Sounds fat. Sounds, sounds fatty. Sounds so analog. Um, and on that note, we can move to the recommendation section. So the first recommendation that I will make to you, sir, is AJR. Have you heard of these guys? It's a uh, group out of New York City. AJR. Mm-mm. Uh, I found them through Andrew Wong. And Andrew Wong had them on his Four Producers, One Sample video. I don't know if you've watched any of those. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've, I've, I've seen one or two of those. So his newest video has Hiatus Coyote. It's one of their samples. It's like a few of their samples, uh, their stems. And he has two of the band members listening to the tracks they make, which is pretty cool. Because mm. Hiatus Coyote is like one of my favorite groups. Yeah, I remember so, you you told me about them a long time ago. Me gushing about them. Uh, <laughs> so I had to click it as soon as I saw that he was doing something with them. But AJR was one of the producers who flipped the sample and made a new track with it. Mm. And uh, it's like like a swung beat with lots of brass. And uh, it's like right up my alley, just like very fun music. Mm-hmm. And so I looked them up. Apparently they have 3 million subs on YouTube. No big deal. No and, big deal. Uh, they, uh, they have a song called The World's Smilest Violin. And it went like stupid viral last year. Mm-hmm. And that is what uh, propelled them. So they sound like John Bellion. It's very pop with uh, an eclectic sort of stacked like barbershop style vocals, lots of Mm. random samples. And that's actually why I looked them up because they were talking about how they like to use real samples. And I was like, we could send them uh, a couple of our libraries. And I was like, these dudes have 3 million subs. Damn. That's, That's wild. So AJR, you should check them out. And they have very creative, original music videos as well. Interesting. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. And then the other thing is Valhalla Vintage Verb just got the Palace update. Yeah, I was surprised that you didn't uh, Did hear about that. It, you beat me usually you, by like yeah, two you, hours. You're usually always the one like right on it. Like, hey... There's a new uh, the new update for Supermassive, or there's a new Valhalla update. Yeah, I'm and usually then, uh, their their street their street guy, spreading yeah. the word, spreading the good word. But you yeah. beat me to it this time. I was very surprised. But yeah, uh, I I downloaded the update. I I haven't had a chance to check it out. Have you played around with it yet? Or yeah, it's sweet. Yeah, because it, it it was saying it would be good for you know like more like like different types of stuff, but um like orchestral, I think. I feel like they're kind of cannibalizing Shimmer a little bit. Uh, I, I like yeah. Shimmer is an old plugin at this point, and it's it's still great. But the newest updates that they did for Valhalla Delay were definitely like a 
oh, I don't need shimmer anymore, personally. And same thing with vintage verb. It's just like the, the stuff that they are packing in there, like the algorithms, the reverb algorithms that they're putting in are just really amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really want to check it out, especially on some some string stuff or like orchestral stuff. Because I, I, for the longest time, use vintage verb and um i have a few other kind of go-to reverbs and stuff too for for orchestral stuff but yeah i'd be curious to to hear how that sounds oh yeah oh yeah you'll like it nice i would recommend for anyone who's into video games i just got the new dead space oh the remaster yeah i i never played the original i've ah. listened to them i've listened to the soundtrack classic numerous right? times yeah, classic Craig. Listen to the soundtracks, never play the games. But um yeah, this one uh me and my girlfriend wanted to get it and we got it and it's way scarier playing the game, hearing the music than it is just listening to the music cuz yeah, like like the like the score is awesome. And everything that Jason Graves did. It's a different composer on this one which which I thought was surprising. Yeah. Uh it's uh what's his name? Trevor Gorekis and um yeah, I mean, so far it's really cool. Uh, it's kind of kind of hard. Like, uh, yeah, yeah you definitely die some... a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's like I was in this part where you have to like uh, reach out these claws. It's kind of like pretty early in the game, mm -hmm. and yeah, and these like gnarly monsters come out, and then like as soon as like you kill one, you turn around. There's another one like just stabbing you. Uh, yeah, it's really it's really cool, and yeah, the music definitely makes it way scarier when you're playing the game. Because I was always like, yeah, like you know, the soundtrack of course sounds scary, but it's it's way different when you actually play it. You're like, oh, oh my yeah. god, it's just like <laughs> like all these well, like everything's synced up, right? So all the there's all these triggers in the game and all these yeah. like, synced uh, hits. So mm -hmm. you know, like the stings where you get a mm -hmm. monster that's attacking you and you weren't expecting it, and just so many jumps. Yeah, but it's really fun. Um, I would, you know, for anyone who's into games, I would recommend that because anyone of age. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, sh kids play Grand Theft Auto now, so it's like it's different. <laughs> yeah, like the, you got five year old also, we, kids. We don't playing. have any five year olds listening to this podcast anyway, so it's all good. Yeah, yeah, and if and if and if you are, you should be in school. What are you doing? All right. Yeah, I've heard uh, nothing but good things about the remaster. I played the original back in college, mm -hmm. and uh, it was really fun and scary. My cousin was always like obsessed with making everything as immersive as possible. So he would turn off all the lights, and he would wear headphones. <laughs> and dude, he would scream so much while he was playing that game. Yeah, that's what I used to do when I used to play Resident Evil when I was a kid, the, the first one for, for PlayStation. I used to turn off all the lights and play and then like you go into a, a, some room or a hallway and like you can't see what's like in front of you but you just hear yeah. like like little like feet coming you toward hear, you hear the you're just panic. like yeah you're just like oh god oh god because it's not like you know other games where like you know it's like first person or something like that it's a little different so yeah i just remember being super scary uh, I, I was actually thinking about getting like a like a surround sound mm-hmm because like sometimes when like you're playing games, I'm just like, man, like, because I used to have one a long time ago, and you know what's the first thing I did was I watched uh, the remastered version of The Exorcist by myself, oh my which gosh. was not a good idea. I would not recommend that. <laughs> but it was just like 
you know, you get all freaked out and you just hear like all these like little like sounds passing around and it's like, you know, super immersive and you're just like, oh God. So yeah. So so I'm thinking about torturing myself getting a getting a surround sound and then playing Dead Space and then just That's brilliant. You can be like, no, babe, it's for work. I have to have five point one for work. Uh, no, I was telling I was telling my girlfriend about it and she was like, Yeah. But I don't know like where like what kind or anything like that because I know like there's some that it's like a sound bar that I think yeah. does like kind of like spreads the sound around around the room. So I might get something like that just so I don't have like little speakers all over the place, dogs knocking them over or something. So I'll yeah. have to do some research. Do some YouTube research. Yeah. If anyone's listening to this, let me know in the comments. What's yeah. a good 5.1 system that I should get? <laughs> For work. I need I need your recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> the YouTube recommendations. Yeah. Um, so I think that wraps us up for today. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, subscribe. It's so easy. You just click it. It's and then you're done. Yeah, just I don't know how many times I got to tell you to to just hit hit, hit the subscribe button. What's what's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just no. Uh, we if you're still listening at the end like this, we appreciate you, and uh, we will be back with more hard hitting content just like this. More, we'll, we'll, keep, we'll be keeping up with Beaver, what the latest on Beaver is. Hopefully, Ben Jordan will come on the podcast at some point. If you have a personal connect with him, please let me know. And uh, Craig, I'll catch you next week, my friend. Catch you on the flippity flip. All right. Peace. <laughs> Later. <laughs>